This is the What Matters Most podcast. A 100% listener-supported program. And now, here is your host, Paul Samuel Dolman. Welcome back to What Matters Most, my beautiful audience that is scattered around the world. I love your emails from everywhere. Keep writing in, please. And if you've written to me, you know you got a reply, a personal reply. It's so important to stay in touch and stay connected. I want to thank Dia, the great publicist and a dear friend of mine for today's guest. She's written the most beautiful book. It's so rich that you have to kind of go page by page and process it. At least I did. And it really made me think and wonder. It's called The Liminal Odyssey, The Alchemical Power of the Spaces in Between. And it's just profound. And it's such an honor to welcome to the show for the first time, my new friend, the luminous Sandy Hart. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Paul. I'm so happy to be here. Really honored. I was curious as I read this, what sort of inner work have you done through the years to be able to even create a book like this? Wow. Well, that's, I think, what the book is really about. It's a the collection of all that inner work that showed up through my stories, which really surprised me. And it really started with reverent listening. It really started when I really understood what it meant to truly listen uh, myself and others into a condition of discovery and disclosure. And that took a lot of practice. By the way, all of these things are practices, right? That become skills, but they really start with the practice and the repetitive commitment to to dive into that space and really, and with some um, stumbles along the way, which is our, our great lessons. But really, that, I would have to say it all started with reverent listening, and that led to body awareness, that led to questioning assumptions. Um, but I would say that that's the big nut. That And when I line up all of these sort of skills and these things that have really um, been um, part of my process, I, re- I consider that and another particular skill, the bonding agent of all of the skills that I've kind of acquired. And I guess you'd say I'm a student in that way, but I th- I really think we're all students. It's what we choose to pay attention to. How essential is that deep silence and that deep listening for us to really be connected and to move in a way that's in divine alignment with, with our paths? Yeah, yeah. And and to stay in a state of curiosity and awe and wonder, and you know we are a product of our culture and of society to some degree, and um, a, a lot of those who are visionaries or or seekers um, are are at odds with that almost. You know, we're constantly. That's what brings us to our stillness is the things that we're at odds with internally, and. I think that that is um, that awareness of that is so important, and and it's and, and speaking of culture, I mean, this is really 
you know, ultimately, you know, I think what we all envision is a world that works for everyone, right? And a culture that is one of harmony and security and trust. And culture is nothing more than a collective agreement by all of us. So what are we agreeing to? What are we paying attention to? What skills are we practicing? <laughs> what do you see currently being played out right now when you look at the paper, the news or the world or the science reports? What is your observation? Or my life, you know, <laughs> my daily life, you know, especially yesterday. I mean, you know, we have these days where it's like you have to stop and go, what is this test about? For me, when you're asking that question, big, bold, four letters popped up in front of my head, test. I think this is a test. I think it's we're being um, tested to remember our privilege and our responsibility to pay attention. Yesterday, I must have said four times, what is this about? <laughs> Not, oh, poor me, or why did this happen? Or I can't believe this is, I mean, I might, that might have been the first thing that crossed my mind, but then I immediately, because I've been practicing, like, okay, well, yeah, that's a big bummer, or this is like, an, what a stumble that was, or I can't believe that that person did this. And it's like, oh, wait, I've been practicing having reverence for those sort of folks and those sort of situations. And now it's like kicks in a little faster. So I, I can eliminate the amount of time I spend in that, you know, victimization. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a big test, Paul. I think that's where we're at right now, because we are in a space, aren't we? We are in the liminal space. So um, we are, we are in between here and there in between this, the, the, the place where we're coming from that is mounting issues that we're seeing on the news or reading in the paper or experiencing in the level of tension in the world and this unknown place that is calling us, you know, and what can I do to show up in that, in my integrity and, and not poison the water hole when we get there. I hate this phrase, but are you optimistic about our trajectory or do you have optimism or hope or is it more just presence and to connection and then showing up as full as you can without a concern towards a long-term trajectory or our potential extinction? Um, yes. <laughs> I, <I'm laughs> um, and it's funny. Um, I don't think optimistic is a dirty word. I've been I've been asked to question the word hope recently, but I'm hopeful. Um, and I also trust that we live in a loving, abundant universe. I've been practicing that. I've also been practicing this new skill of raising my vibration to the level of the solution. This was, yeah. Thank you, Reverend Michael Beckwith, um, and your Sunday morning services that I get to love stream because he landed that one on me not that long ago. And I'm like, okay, wow, that the picture of that, just dial it up to the solution, uh, the vibration of the solution. It's like, okay, live at that place and practice that. And so I, I am hopeful, but I know through... Um, what was taught to me by um, an indigenous elder that the prophecies, and I, more than one indigenous elder actually, 
um, that the prophecies and and prophecies in many different traditions, not just indigenous, but it was they who taught me this, that that we are evolving into the era of the divine feminine. And anytime there is great change, great in terms of quality, not volume, but good change, there's going to be resistance. And I and I think of that, I've actually said that more than a few times to friends who were, you know, bringing up the news through the condition of the world. I'm like, it's just noise and it's just the resistance. And we're going through the birth canal and those are just contractions. <laughs> and if you've ever given birth, you know, it hurts like hell. So that's where we're at. And we get the privilege of being both at the inception of this pretty much, if you're of age, I'm 61. So if you're of a certain age and you kind of have watched the environmental movement and the feminist movement, you know, rising. And now we're like that seed, we've seen the seed been planted and now it's now we're seeing it disintegrate because that's what seeds have to do. They have to completely change their structure, right? And the promise of what's in that seed is starting to peak out. And we can so we can see the seed, we can see it falling apart because we're in it, but we can already see the fresh new growth because of the massive um, number of people like yourself and your listeners that are showing up right now. It's a fantastic, exciting, oh, I don't have a big enough word for it. Perhaps you do, time to be alive. Yeah, what's that word? <laughs> Extravaganza. Uh, it's an odyssey. Let's we're going to this unknown charted place. You know, do we go left? Do we go right? I don't know, but let's just keep going and be in our integrity and go there together. The whole thing is this eternal soul odyssey. That said, make sure you take the garbage out, change the light bulb, pay the rent, step out of off the railroad tracks, you know, stop at the red light, buy food drink water you can get caught up in the big you miss you miss everything you i feel like uh there's that great incredible razor's edge of being so fully present and holding the now and the eternal and it's fleeting it comes and goes it's like trying to catch the wind that that just made what you just said made me exhale <laughs> i didn't realize i was holding my breath even that is so beautiful you know i talk about cultivating synchronicities and I think that's how spirit talks to us in those signs that we, the, the, in that, what you were mentioning, kind of the mundane of our life, right? But that's where the miracle is. And I have a very dear friend here um, um, where, where I'm moving from, um, Lee, uh, Reverend Lisa Lee, her husband, Reverend Jim Lee, and she have a unity church. And uh, she has this beautiful poem but there's a line in it that's really stunning well the whole thing is stunning but this is the line i remember that's you know relevant it is the child in us that knows that knows that to ask where am i going or how do i get there is to miss the crimson red flower growing out of the crack in the sidewalk bravo isn't that beautiful? So when we're going through our day and buying our groceries and putting gasoline in our car and getting upset that somebody, you know, uh, cut us off on the freeway 
or or watching the whatever you know it's like okay where's the miracle in this where's the crimson red rose you know if we step it's what i call timefulness when we take the time to go into those places and pay attention and it's cultivating synchronicities because we start seeing those signs and those messages that are meaningful but we have and I should say, and we have to slow down to the speed of awe and wonder. That's what timefulness means. And what is truly mundane, if you're paying attention, if you're taking a shower and you drop into what is water, what would I be without water? Who put the infrastructure together that I can have this shower? Think of a billion or two billion people that don't have access to water. Experiencing the concept of water while I'm hurtling through space on a magnet. I exist. I have 10 trillion cells. Does that sound mundane? <laughs> Bam. <laughs> it's right there. And then let's get into the water and the and our and our responsibility and our integrity of our words and our thoughts to that water, because we know what Dr. Emoto showed us is that we know that we control that we our thoughts which happen outside of the cell, by the way, um, um, uh, impact, inform whether that water is a one structure or another. So why wouldn't we want to be in our highest integrity to the, to the integrity and reverence for the water? Yeah, we, we, we could do an entire program on water and I've, I've done water ceremony before it, with a room full of women. It's magical. Yeah. So <laughs> my ego wants to interrupt and say, we need to play that during your next shower. So you're not concentrating on some stupid thing like you were yesterday. And the ego would be right. I forget all the time. That's the message. I'm looking at my glass of water right here that I've just been drinking without thinking about it and forgetting that wow, I'm going to put some energy into this water. I'm going to love this water and honor this water and have reverence for this water because that's going through me and recycling through me. So why wouldn't I? So, And these, the, it's that easy, isn't it? It's about silence, presence, and paying attention. And then I'd say the fourth element is forgetting because we're designed to forget so that we can then experience silence, present, and remembering and the awe and the mystery. Because if we were completely unified, there'd be no opposites. We'd have zero experiences, like where we came from once, when there wasn't a we and there was just an I am. It was only one thing. Must have gotten bored somehow, <laughs> eternity. And then like pickup sticks threw itself down into in infinite pieces so it could have some experience. These are my pedestrian theories. Otherwise, and why do it? And I once asked the great is why why do it? I said, why not? And I said, and then I said, it's so much more fun this way. So I said, I guess you can't argue with that. And if you're eternal and the universe is infinite love, then you really are playing with house money to use an old Vegas phrase. That is so important that we have fun. We lighten up. Um, yeah. And lighten up. <laughs> and Yeah. And try to put a smile on our face in the midst of this with compassion, right? We're, you know, you and I and perhaps your listeners are in a comfortable environment right now with free will and, um, and ability to vote or 
know where your next meal is coming from. So I'm very sensitive to that. Um, the, uh, it, so, yeah, yeah, I think that remembering our privilege and, and what you said also brings me to forgiveness because those pickup sticks and now you're dating them. <laughs> and I'm going to date myself too. <laughs> um, forgive uh, those pickup sticks, the ones that, you know, you had to work around and try not to budge uh, or, or the ones that got in your way or made it life a little harder for you, those big obstacles. Oh gosh, they're not only the most memorable because we tend to remember them more than the others, but they're the greatest gifts. You know, I talk about this experience I had. I was carrying around a 30 pound weight of that I didn't realize um, that I that was requiring forgiveness. And um, and I can look back now and go, thank God, you know, when you can chart back your life and uh, and go, thank goodness that that you know, happened because look where it got me and, you know, um, what it brought to me, there's a, there's a gem in this and it's just sand in the oyster shell, you know, it's just there to refine us. So, yeah. What is the liminal odyssey for the listener out there who hasn't had the joy of reading the book yet? Well, liminal, which is a clunky word. Um, and I didn't know this word about a year and a half ago until I sat down to try to tell the single story um, that I've been trying to write for 15 years. My friends have been urging me to write. And uh, an experience I had in 1982 at the Rose Bowl in Southern California. And this wild experience. And I, um, like I said, I've been trying to write it until I heard this word liminal that means threshold, the place between crisis and um, action, dilemma and choice, or this evolutionary growth spurt we're in, you know, the space we are in. And it, so it could be a momentary call to action. It could be, you know, something really big is happening and it could take decades for us to get there. But we're in a liminal space where we're not quite there yet. And uh, no matter how you slice and dice it, is what I'm trying to say. Liminal is what we, not just the space, but what we do in the space. Architects use the word liminal um, to define a hallway or a staircase or, or commercial architects use it for the spaces a community walks through and the experience that you have within that. Liminal is that condition of the space, not just the space. And the odyssey is recognizing our responsibility to that space. And that's, you know, when I sat down to, to what I was thinking, the, the book was actually, the working title was What About the Dog, which is chapter one. And then it was Acorn Rain in Birkenau, which was the last chapter about an experience at Auschwitz. But um, when I started thinking about it and talking to a friend about this, uh, my editor actually um, about this, who was really my spiritual guide more than anything. Um, I thought it's a journey. It's really a journey of what we do. Um, and because I was exploring the hero's journey, you know, Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung's work and, and I, which I did to some degree frame it in that, but it's so much more. And I came to see this big, you know, spaceship hurtling through the great, wide open liminality of space right we don't know how big this space is i mean scientists have a, their arms around it but generally speaking you know we if we go left or right it won't look a whole lot different to us from where we stand but so what 
so the word odyssey you know the great front the great frontier popped in my mind so that's what the liminal odyssey is and it's through our stories that we live it out so this part of the storytelling was very important um to really anchor what I navigated through and what's possible. So it's not, this isn't a preachy, you know, book. I, I pray I made sure of that. And I had some friends to ensure that who read it and said, you know, you might want to change this word or what have you, because it looks like you're talking to not with your reader. So that was very important to me to know that, you know, to experience that too, because my reader is really my accountability partner. Um, so it's how we show up in that space, how I showed up in that space and what I learned <laughs> through that odyssey. And um, out of it came these 12 practices that I call skills, because with practice through neuroplasticity, we know that the more you practice something, it becomes a habit and then it becomes part of the fiber of who we are. Um, and it's not something that we want to practice in the moment. <laughs> which is what I was doing, why those skills weren't really working for me, why I was getting, you know, where I could go, okay, I've got this crisis and I'm, I'm, I'm no longer just a, a match strike. Now I'm a forest fire. Okay. Now it's time to pull up that skill. It's like, maybe if I made that skill a part of my condition, my operating system, um, then I, that match may never get lit, or if it does, I'll extinguish it immediately. And, and I'm starting to see evidence of that, Paul. I'm starting to really live into that. But I just invite everyone to give that a shot. You know, practice something for 21, 28 days. Science says 28 days to form a habit. And, and practice it so we don't, and continue to practice it so we don't, you know, and we can mitigate <laughs> a lot of um, can, and be comfortable more in our lives um, in that way. I live, my husband is a product of this, um, which is probably why we're a really, really good match. <laughs> Opposites attract, but I'm getting there, you know. Yeah. But I'm not in lack either. I don't feel like oh, I've got to get there. Like I, but I'm starting to see signs of that in myself which i like you mentioned the 12 principles will you just give us an overview of those because it's really good a good structure yeah thank you well first let me just preface by saying that um they, they are practices right in which i think i've said pretty you know you know pretty clear because it's so important that they become part of who we are um and the other thing is that they're building blocks for one another and lastly, when you do kind of get to the place where you've got them part of who you are and they're very comfortable for you and you can start seeing them operate, they become a super skill. They become not 12, but one. And what's more is I would never discount those skills that you don't hear here as having room in here because I did a little experiment. And they do, it does work with other modalities and methodologies and tossing one and moving in another. So it's not so much about mine, the ones I'm about to mention, but it's about um, how those that you already have may be kind of act, you know, elevated or these might be activating yeast for those. And, and then the whole, the whole concept of this, 
you know, will work seamlessly for you. And, and when you, when enlightened self-interest, when you, when you improve those conditions for yourself, it improves everybody. So I'm speaking for myself too. Um, so reverent listening is, um, was where I began paying attention to our body, getting really, really familiar and intimate with what's going on in our body. Like right now, when I stop and think about it, my left ankle has got something going on. You know, I've got this little thing going on in my neck or I felt the popping in my arm. Those sort of things help us remember it's time to just stop for one minute and go, okay, what's this about? Maybe I just need a one minute break um, to breathe into that and re-regulate. Uh, I mentioned cultivating synchronicities. Um, yeah, that's where the magic is in our daily lives. And a big one for me, um, and this is one that I came upon and it surprised me as I was writing. It surprised me that this was so profound because uh, I didn't set out to, to develop these skills. They showed up in my stories, but this one was big. And that was healing generational trauma and intergenerational trauma and not, and, or, and also I should say generational behavior patterns, which can come from trauma. But um, if you're the rare individual who can't, or doesn't see any trauma, you know, and it doesn't have to be major trauma, it could be just a consistent ongoing trauma um, of, you know, too much, too little for too long, you know, that sort of trauma then paying attention to where maybe patterns in your life could have come from and what patterns we picked up in our childhood or maybe in our cellular memory. And I have an experience that I tell that I was sent because I couldn't figure out why the same patterns of relationships were showing up in my life. And I mentioned it to a friend and she goes, you might want to go do some generational healing. And that's where I found Rabbi Teresa Firestone and her work on this um, Gabor Mate is a wonderful educator. Yeah, right. He's breathtaking, as is Rabbi Terza um, and her work. And um, and so that was a real big one for me. And that's where I can stop and go, oh, you know, my father responded that way. And I can forgive that because his father responded that way. And I could see that pattern. Um and that brings us to mindfulness and the truth about the power of our thoughts, which we kind of touched on here. Um, I'm <laughs> rattling this off in my head for chapter. That the the trust frequency was a book that, or is a book that I just cannot say enough about. Um, but I'll try. This is from my dear friends, who have become my dear friends after I read the book by Connie Baxter Marlowe and Andrew Cameron Bailey. And they have these 10 assumptions for a new paradigm. Um, and they really point out the value of, not the value, the truth of trust. And re to remember, remember our relationship to our natural world, to the cosmos and, and the condition of trust, the vibration of trust is so important. And when I mentioned I had two bonding agents in all of my skills, reverent listening and trust um, that I learned from the trust frequency. <clears throat> um, and speaking of nature, remembering that we are nature, <laughs> right? And that comes back to our body awareness too. And that's a building block from that. 
being you know honoring that and um and 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 that informs how we move through our day so what archetype is is um running through our day right now you know and i use the archetypal um relativity of the maiden mother and crone but oh heavens there's so many different archetypal identities but basically this template for or i should say the avatar for our personality type and understanding what that is um and not assuming that you know all people think and act like we do i have different archetypal tendencies and um and but as far as the maiden mother crone which i i do relate to in the book um and it's not this is while it is determined by the biology of the feminine body and the blood flow of the female animal <laughs> we are um the maiden comes into her purposeful nature the mother is now you know reproducing in her highest you know potential for you know purposing the lot for caretaking of the planet and our natural world uh, and the conditions that come with the maiden, I should say, is, you know, that creativity and that play and the mother is the responsibility and the nurturing. Um, and by the way, these are very high level. I could spend an entire hour on each one of these. And the crone, you know, she's, you know, her, her blood flow has stopped to remain in her womb to, to service the nutrient for our wisdom. And the, the crone is comprised of the maiden and the mother but she and she is confident and comfortable and wise and holds on to things that matter and let go of those things that don't um and so really paying attention when you're driving down the freeway and responding to somebody <laughs> how are you responding to them and what archetypal condition i mean these are all relative to our daily lives you know and what matters is we apply them in that way we talked about being impeccable with our words and our behaviors. And what I learned from Rabbi Teresa Firestone is, did we? Did you know that the word abracadabra um, is a Hebrew word and it means, uh, it's abracadabra, and I'm sure I'm butchering that because I don't speak Hebrew, <clears throat> but I am Jewish and I, I, I think I'm getting pretty close just growing up with some Yiddish in my household, um, that um, it means, I, I, I create with my words, or we create with our words. I had no idea. I didn't either. You know, I create abracadabra, snap of the wrist, right? It's like that. Pay attention to our words. And here's a great practice for that. Pay attention to how often you use the word just, J-U-S-T. I'm just calling, or I just want to ask a question, or I'm just feeling. Pay attention to that word because not only is it a really powerful word because we're immediately discounting why we're calling or what we have to think about or what we think or, or what we or what we're saying. I just want to say something. No, I, I want to say something. It's important and I value who, you know my words. So, but the practice of it is a really easy practice. And then we start paying attention to other words. And then um, and especially when we write. I, I I don't I don't inflate or deflate um, um, my message. 
if unless it's absolutely an integrity. I find myself, and this is a condition from intergenerational behaviors, is having to over explain something or over or make something a little bit more magnificent than it already is. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to sell something. I don't know, but this was a condition. I personally, I, by the way, I get pretty vulnerable in the book. Right. So I don't mind telling you this was my condition. I, I, and I'm also a natural salesperson. So, and that was my career before, um, before I, 9-11 woke me up and rearranged my DNA, but that's another story. Um, yet the, the, the condition of overinflating or not being a hundred percent true, so paying attention to that too is really, really important for impeccability. Um, and, and that requires timefulness, doesn't it? It requires us to stop and really go, wait, why, why am I feeling the need to over elaborate or not be a hundred percent in truth? What am I afraid of or what? Yeah. Basically it's usually, you know, it's fear, right? Fear is the primary motivation other than love. Um, so I'm going to turn my face towards love and not fear. And all of this leads to the, the last couple of skills and that is in practices and that is discovering our soul's purpose, our planetary assignment, our, our, our calling. Aristotle says where our calling, where our passions meet the needs in the world. Therein lies our calling. Uh, so ultimately, that's, I believe, in my humble opinion, ultimately, that's the best we all can do right now is to show up in our soul's purpose and our be uh, that which only we can do, only you can do, only I can do, and identifying what that is. And it might be very different from what you're doing right now. Yeah. And then being a sacred gardener, that seed in our pocket, that seed that we're planting right now. Yeah. And, and that, that brings us back around. So it's not linear. These aren't linear, you know, they're, they're all building blocks, but they also work as a super skill together. Sandy, how are you not jaded by the patriarchy? You sound so light and joyful and happy. Mm, yeah. Thank you. Well, that's nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How am I not jaded by the patriarchy? Well, I first want to start by honoring Dr. Rianne Eisler. Um, and her work with the Center for Partnership Studies and her book, The Chalice and the Blade, uh, The Real Wealth of Nations. But consistently what she talks about is this domination trance we've been walking through that we've been jaded, I guess. Yeah, that's a really, that's a great way of putting it, that we've been not so much, well, jaded yet duped, like we believe it. We That's where that word just comes in, why women use that word so much. I pay a lot of attention with my work in women's studies and women's repowerment and, um, and all the task forces and organizations I've started around women. Um, and women and girls, women um, use that word just so much. And that's a condition of patriarchy. So why am I not dismayed or, or because it's, uh, it's um, I'm on the side of working towards dismantling it, 
disrupting it. And I'm starting to see signs of it by these conversations. This is why, oh, let me just take a moment because I've got it, I'm choking up right now. Um, Paul, this is why you are so important to the world. This is why this program and your series is so, what, this is what matters. <laughs> this is what matters most. This is what it's all about, what you're doing. You're a, a stunning example and model. And for me, it appears, and I don't know, but if you said, okay, what's mine? <laughs> I would say, that's what you're doing right now. Because you're bringing this out on me. Every conversation I have, no matter who it is, it's always different. I have got every 37 trillion cells in my body are all doing cartwheels. They're all saying, yes, you're in the right place. Yes, it's good. what you just said. Yeah, I go with that. What Paul just said, that's it. So this is this is why I'm not jaded or or dismayed or because I'm no longer duped by it. I'm 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 awake to it. And that this is another thing I learned from the trust frequency. Question these assumptions. Be attent attentive to what's matter, what matters, be awareness. Circumstance guides are destiny, you know, and those those circumstances, those conditions of patriarchy and domination um, are our circumstances that guide our destiny, what do we do with them in that liminal space? And how are we studying what where we're at right now? How do we see evidence of the patriarchy? Watch Doctrine of Discovery, Unmasking the Domination Code um, by Stephen Newcomb, a documentary you can find on Vimeo, I think it is, or um, the read the uh, Sacred Pleasure by Rianne Eisler. Um, pay, tune in regularly to <laughs> this, this the Paul Samuel Dolman programs, you know, and listen to everything he says. <laughs> that is how we dismantle the patriarchy is with our personal responsibility and privilege of free will. I'm so honored by your words. Thank you. We had Rihanna too. And I think I love the genius of the uh, universe. I have goosebumps that it put me in the white patriarchy suit, the outfit and the costume, but with a different software to help dismantle it because it's a suicide nihilistic death cult. And I'm allergic to it. I was born into it. I benefit from it, but I cannot look anywhere and not see it. It's everywhere. It's like water for fish. Doesn't have to be this way. It brought us to this point. I trust the perfection of the universe. I'm not going to question that. Although we've had debates about the mosquito, and I'll go there in another show. But it's just doesn't have to be this way. It brought us here. Are we going to thread the eye of the needle, transcend, thrive, and go on? If not, it's almost like a cosmic dartboard. Uh, this time, we didn't get through the hoops. So what? Have you seen the size of the universe just through the James Webb telescope? One of the great dichotomies and paradoxes is everything is absolutely meaningless, yet every moment and every little atom is sacred. Go, go ponder that, but it's true. So it really matters. 
But if we whiff it and all this carbon gets transformed, turns to dust, forms again in other more wiser lives, it'll be okay too. It's all so beautiful. That said, I just want to do the right thing today. I want to lift people up with your voice and others who are trying to move us along to a higher place, not higher, better, just a higher frequency. And not that the bad is lower, it's just the universe is constantly evolving. If we want to be a part of it, we have to be in alignment with that. Or we kind of get recycled into the, the thing and then come out again as part of the evolution. That's how I see it and feel it. And and so it is. <laughs> well, we're in a quantum, we're in a second quantum rev, uh, revolution, right? This is the new discovery of the new quantum revolution, the second. And and uh, it's it's a vibrational leap. That's what quantum is, right? Quantum is a vibrational leap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and we do it with every breath. It's that easy. It's it, even though it's science. <laughs> I want to say it's not brain science, but it kind of it, it is brain science. Um, but it's um, it's spiritual activism, and it's. Best. Is there something about our particular extraterrestrial species and breed that is almost supernaturally invested, involved, and in love with chocolate? My bot, the last line of my bio is that I will barter for chocolate. So, what does that say? <laughs> I read that and I knew we were kindred spirits. <laughs> I said, Yes, I'll have anyone on who loves chocolate that much. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this again and again and again, especially that last, what you just said was so great. And we really do. And if you've listened, if you went back and listened, we've done over a thousand of these now. I've lost count, thousand something. And it started just with one. But I would say probably a 90% of them, I'm saying we have to elevate the divine feminine, bring it into balance. It's for the best. Uh, and then it's... I, you know, I feel like it's not rocket scientists to me. It's so uh, so obvious, but then everyone's like, "Wow, are you smart?" It, not really. It's just such an obvious choice, and I don't mean in a patronizing way. It's just we have to bring it into balance. And I'm so thankful that there are people like you out there who are doing the day to day work, writing the books, teaching the workshops, and doing it with so much love and joy. Thank you and not anger which i think i would be pretty pissed so that's why i admire the infinite patience and for all the women listening in the world and the men who are a part of that too i, I bow to you thank you and i wonder sandy if uh this beautiful audience that comes to us from so many countries sometimes we're over half a million people which is crazy i can't even conceptualize that would you want to leave these souls with a beautiful, loving, inspired word that comes from your heart and soul to theirs today, since we all happen to come together here in the, the middle of the Milky Way or on the outskirts of the Milky Way, depending on your perspective? I, 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 yes, thank you. We are all planted here with a divine purpose, and we have the privilege to midwife the divine feminine into our daily lives. And when we do that, we create a more safe, harmonious, and loving world that we all want. And it's as 
graceful as saying yes, saying yes to that first show, Paul, saying yes to my first journey, beginnings of a journey. We never really know where we're going, but we know we're on our way. And we all get the privilege of being the sacred gardener of our soul's purpose and become intimate with your soul. That's something I'd like to also say. Um, thank you. Thank you is insufficient uh, to express how I feel about this and to know that if that those who are listening uh, are here to be a part of this odyssey. And I can't wait to get there with you. I can because it's the the odyssey, right, Paul? Amen. It is. It really, it sounds so cliche, but it's been said a million times. It's the journey, not the destination, since we never really arrive. And on a linear level, if, when we're done here, we're, you know, we're thrown in the crematorium or, you know, we're sadly embalmed or scattered or whatever. So don't be in such a hurry to let the days move ahead. The nights fly by you. Really, I think it's all about slowing down as much as you can, centering in the moment, zero gravity, zero time, and just soaking up that eternity. And guess what? Anybody, anywhere can do it for free and it's open. And in fact, it's really, really leaning in towards you. It just needs permission and your smile and your heart to open up and uh, watch the grace flow through. Take it from one who used to be a big skeptic and it got me. I think it's available to you too. You've been listening to the What Matters Most podcast, a 100% listener-supported program. If you feel inspired, please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash whatmattersmost and join our family. So until the next time, stay inspired and in the light. <laughs>